Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Gluttony. Nothing personal word of the day. It is July 5th, Wednesday. And the word of the day is gluttony. Hope you enjoyed your July 4th, which to many indicates a barbecue, maybe some fireworks. It always bothered me when I had little kids and people were setting off fireworks next door and they were doing it at hours when all I wanted to do was for the child to stay asleep and everybody's scared, the dogs are scared. Then you wait for the big finale and it ends, but you associate it with independence. But then we did a segment on Levitard with David Fleming that maybe July 4th isn't Independence Day. Maybe it should be May 20th. It's all very confusing, but there is one thing that will always happen on July 4th. And it started off as more of a thing that you would avoid talking about. And then it got a TV partner 20 years ago. And now it's a real event. So now people associate July 4th with hot dogs. It's the American food. I think if we did a survey, what would you consider to be, I think Coke and I may have done this once, a survey of what you associate American food. Would it be pizza, hamburgers, hot dogs, French fries? Maybe other countries would take different of those foods, but hot dogs became a thing. I thought when I first heard about Nathan's, which was on 86th Street and 3rd, that was Popeye King, but there was a Nathan's, Nathan's hot dogs. You'd go to the garden and you could eat Nathan's. I never ate hot dogs. 18 years in Major League Baseball, never had a hot dog at a stadium. I just don't eat hot dogs. Nothing to do with kosher, not kosher. I just don't like the thought of what's in a hot dog or the casing around the hot dog. There was nothing, nothing that appealed to me about a hot dog ever. I'm the guy when there's a barbecue, hey, I'll, t- I'll do the burger. Hey, do you want one burger, one dog? No, just a burger's fine. Hold the bun. So a hot dog eating contest was started because Nathan's thought it was a way to draw great attention to its brand. And then ESPN thought, what a great, people are going to watch this. This is fascinating. This level of gluttony, it's like a car crash. It's like an alien sighting. People can't turn away. But then it wasn't just hot dogs. Then all of a sudden, there were contests for anything. I went to a movie many years ago. If you haven't seen it, you should. It's called Stand By Me. River Phoenix, Will Wheaton. Richard Dreyfuss is the adult. I think it's from 1985, 1986, whenever it was from. And there's a pie-eating contest in the movie And one of the contestants gets very violently ill and it becomes one of the great vomit scenes of all time. But we have had a fascination with eating in a way that bothers me. And I'm not going to yuck on a yum of someone who's trying to make a living. My view is if someone's willing to pay you to do something, you're willing to do it, you've got yourself a transaction. You can get sponsored to eat 
142 hard-boiled eggs, great. I don't think it's worth it to sit in your kitchen and eat 30 Big Macs, but if you're gonna get paid for it, your decision. It's not as though people are doing this without an understanding of the health impact. This is super size me on steroids, what these professional eaters do. And they're called professional because they get paid. They do it in contests for money. You can be a professional anything. If someone pays you to do something, you are a professional. Hey, could you come on over and fix my light bulb? All right, but that will cost you $10 and I'm now a professional light bulb changer. I believe that is defined by money. If you're paid to do an action, you are a professional. You can do stuff as a hobby. Hey, I'll do that for you. I would do that for free. I would fix your car for free. Well, would you change my oil for free? Yeah, well, you're not a professional mechanic then. There's something offensive about the eating contests because we go through all the records that Joey Chestnut has. He has the record for Big Macs or the record for, he doesn't have the record for sushi. One of the women does, I think. And then, or the record for strawberry shortcake or the record for the most roasted, grilled, fried asparagus in a certain amount of time. And it goes on and on and on. And you look at it and you feel sorry that this is what someone does, but you say, hey, that's what they want to do. That's what they chose to do. They know the risks involved. I don't quite understand the entry exit strategy. How is it that there is no facility nearby? How is it that no one loses their lunch after these sort of contests? Joey Chestnut, absolutely the best hot dog eating contest performer ever. I think he's won 16 times. Now there's a whole thing about Kaiser Soze who won't do it because they're in a fight or he doesn't want to come back or he rushed the stage, whatever. I was more focused on what happened after a debate broke out on Twitter and other platforms about Joey Chestnut has to be considered one of the best athletes of this generation because of the dominance he has shown in the hot dog eating contest. And I took umbrage with that fact. Merriam-Webster defines athlete as a person who is trained or skilled in exercises, sports, or games requiring physical strength, agility, or stamina. A person who is proficient in sports and other forms of physical exercise. If I don't consider Joey Chestnut an athlete, that does mean I don't have respect from afar of his ability to open his gullet and engage in this gluttonous activity. You can respect someone's abilities without them being an athlete. I've come across amazing attorneys in my time, amazing bankers, amazing mothers. That doesn't make them athletes. The best mother in the world doesn't is not an athlete, could be an athlete, but not because of her mothering or fathering. Tried to give the example of David P. Sampson on Twitter and people said, wait a minute, you can have electricians who are athletes. I said, yes, electricians who compete in athletic events can be the most athletic electrician. But the act of wiring is not athletic. It's not a sport. Hanging from the rafters as you build a retractable roof 
impossible. It takes a very skilled construction worker. You don't just hire out anybody. You know, when you build a stadium and you promise to give local jobs to people and you do, and you do it as a percentage, there's certain trades that you know are not going to go local because they're such a specialty. And there's only certain companies and certain people who are trained to do it. You don't go down to the local contractor and say, hey, do you mind getting 200 feet up in the air and building a retractable roof? Very, very difficult. Harnessed in the whole package. Athlete? No. Special skill? Special talent? Yeah. Do I think Joey Chestnut has a skill? Yeah. Talent? Sure. It has nothing to do with athletics, though. Then I started thinking about how offensive it is, and I got past this pretty quickly. It's pretty hard when you know there's so many people. I always had trouble when I was growing up. I had to uh, finish everything that was on my plate. The Clean Plate Club, it was called. And the reason given is that there are people starving in Africa. And you're young, you don't really understand what that means. And then you grow up and you learn or you visit Africa or you visit areas in the United States and you see the poverty. And one of the things that you have to come to terms with, as much as you raise money for charity, as much as you help and want to help as much as you can, you can't fix everybody everywhere. You will not be able, people when they, when, when rich people, Jeff Bezos, if you gave a million dollars to every single person in the country, it would be, you'd still have enough money to have your yacht with your fiance. If you gave a million dollars to everyone in the country, it would not solve everybody's problems, I assure you. The issue of poverty is a real issue. And when you see the gluttonous aspect of a food contest, of a food eating contest, you say to yourself, wow, those 62 hot dogs that he ate, I bet you if you went to a homeless shelter right near Coney Island and the pier, you could feed a lot of people for a lot of days with 62 hot dogs. But then you realize that that's the same with so many other things we do. So I spent July 4th tortured, and I'm wondering whether you were too, by the fact that we're watching someone do something that is so disgusting, so gluttonous, so non-athletic, and so just, we must get made fun of by people around the world looking at what we're doing. And yet we have a broadcast partner, and yet me, along with millions of other people, stop what they're doing, to the extent you were doing anything, and watch this happen. At the same time, there was so much going on in the sports world and in the business world that I was in awe that I was gonna do a show today, and it could have been an entire show about injuries when going into the All-Star game, which is a week from yesterday, we should be talking about the All-Stars. We should be talking about the surprise teams, the disappointing teams, the trade deadline coming up August 1st. And one thing that is not getting better, try as the commissioner may, and he's got committees trying this for 20 years, trying this, 25 years almost. Injuries in baseball are an absolute killer to a team. One of the most important slides that comes out at an owner's meeting is the injury days missed slide. It goes through every team, how many days their players have missed, 
and how much money those players are getting paid not to play. It is a list that every team is on and no one wants to be at the top of. There's certain slides that come during the meeting that you want to be at the top of, like EBITDA or profit or wins or rings or commercials made about you or your ballpark hosting events or hosting community affairs. There's all sorts of interesting things where you want to be the top. Dollars per win, that's a good one. But lost days to injury is a crappy one. Yesterday, we had several things take place that are a real problem for California baseball, but more importantly, a real problem for the league. Let's start with Mike Trout. Mike Trout is someone who clearly does not want to be the face of the game, doesn't want to do what's necessary to be the face of the game, told the commissioner that when asked, and I, I do not begrudge him that. That is his right. He can collect all the money he wants in salary, make no more in, in endorsements. He can make appearances, not make appearances. I'm much more at ease with players' decisions. Some people want it, some people don't. I don't criticize Jazz Chisholm, him wanting to be the face of baseball, wanting to be on the cover of the show, wanting to be who he is trying to be. Of course, you need performance. You need lack of injuries. You need your team to perform, which the Marlins are doing. Baseball is always looking for who's next. Mike Trout, to me, is officially off the list. This is his third straight All-Star game that he will miss because of injury. And he's not played one October game in five years. I'm trying to remember the last time. He's never won a playoff game, but he and Otani have never been to a playoff game. You cannot make, even if he's the best player in your league, which he no longer is, you cannot make him or want to make him or think he should be the face of the game. He got hit by a pitch and broke his hamate bone, which is the same thing that happened to Mike Lowell on August 31st of 03 when we traded for Conine. Lowell came back in the first series against the Giants and was able to pinch hit. He missed four or five weeks. They're saying Trout's going to miss six to eight weeks. And immediately, Shohei Otani has to get traded. The Angels are done. Retool. Get something for him. Please hear me clearly. I'm going to say it right into the microphone. Enunciate really well as though I'm not still sick after 10 days. Shohei Otani will not be traded by Artie Moreno and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The reason Shohei Otani will not be traded has nothing to do with the fact that he left yesterday's game early with a blister. It has everything to do with Artie Moreno will try until he is mathematically eliminated to make the playoffs. He will try to survive through Trout's injury, through Anthony Rendon's injury, and he will not give in to either the desire of his baseball people or his finance people to do what's in the best interest of the club going forward and trade Otani, and here's my view of it. That's why the Angels don't win in October. That's why the Angels don't get to October. Because you've got an owner of a team who's making a decision that is not based in baseball reality. Does it suck to have a player like Otani and Trout to sign free agents and spend money hand over fist and never win? Yeah, it does. But it takes a smart organization and a good owner to understand when your team is not in it and when you need to capitalize and maximize the assets you have. 
you can trade Shohei Otani to a team. A team will have to pick up. He's getting paid $30 million. Let's say you have half a season left. Would you pay $15 million above your current budget to bring Shohei Otani in for a playoff run? If you think that Shohei Otani is not likely to sign with you because you traded him to a different team, you can look no further than Araldis Chapman, who the Yankees, in a season they were not going anywhere, traded Chapman to the Cubs. Cubs win the World Series, and then Chapman signs as a free agent with the Yankees. How is that not smart? Under what definition of front office do you not put that in the category of, oh, that's a good one, versus my front office, and I don't mean mine, David, mine, whatever team you're a fan of, or let's say the Angels, a front office that is not willing to take the PR hit to do that. Is it a PR hit if you trade Shohei Otani? No, it's an indictment of your inability to win games. But actually, the way you'd spin it is very easy. We owe it to the fans and what I've always wanted, and the reason I haven't sold the team, Artie Moreno would say, is that I want to bring a World Series championship to the great people of Anaheim. The best position we can do, given that we haven't won, we're not breaking up the 27 Yankees on our way to the World Series. We are not in first place by five games. The best thing I can do is to get back exactly this package that we now have. And I assure you that we are going to try to get Shohei Otani back and ready to go for next season. His agents indicated that he will not sign an extension before declaring free agency. We have offered him the most money, and I would make sure we do this. We have offered him the most money ever paid to a player, the most money per year ever paid to a player. He wants to test free agency. We understand, but then it is our responsibility to maximize what we can, given that we still have the right to. I'm completely in on that. Artie Moreno will not be. Baseball would be in on that. Artie Moreno will not be. About 10 teams who could use more pitching and hitting, make that 20 teams, would be in on that, but not Artie Moreno. And it's not as though the Angels can't come up with a trade package because they can. You're not looking for, I want your number one, two, three, four, and five prospects. Plus, I want three pitchers who are close to the big leagues. Plus, I want two big league players. And I'd like you to send me money. You have to be realistic. Because the team's trading for Shohei Otani, it is a pure two-month rental. Now, if I'm Artie Moreno, I do not give permission of a team I am trading Otani to to negotiate a free agent extension prior to the trade. Teams ask for that before they get a rental at the deadline. Hey, would you mind if I spoke to the player? Yeah, I would. You may not speak to the player. I don't want Otani signing a deal with a team because then I would demand a far greater package because that's no longer a rental. Am I concerned that Otani will fall in love with the clubhouse so much that he gets traded to win a World Series and feel, oh man, I want to be here. I'm going to sign with that team. It doesn't work that way. Players who join in July or August that are part of the team, they get a full World Series share. 
It's super exciting for them, but they are still going to go through free agency and they have no problem switching to yet a third team in six months or going back to their original team or if they're happy where they traded to stay with the team they traded if the price is right. But it is not an advantage necessarily for a team to acquire a player like Otani, therefore increasing the package that Moreno could get back for Otani. So there are matchups that could happen. Because for a two-month rental like Otani, assuming that his injured injury, what a bad break for the All-Star game. Just an absolute nightmare. Trout out, Otani out right in one second. Clayton Kershaw out. It all happened so fast. How many segments have we done, Coca, about the All-Star game? about how infuriating it is that they name all the all-stars, then they start replacing, and all the people who replace are considered all-stars for their bonuses, for their careers, for their special accomplishments. It's almost a bigger accomplishment to be a snitch without a star. And that's not true, being an all-star is really cool. But that said, there's so many of them. It's a little watered down. Now, the ones who were added yesterday for the injuries, glad they added two Seattle Mariners. The game's in Seattle. You got to add some Mariners. They added Kirby and... Rodriguez, the young player who they gave all that money to. Wander Franco, the one who got passed over, no longer is passed over. He's an all-star. There'll be more injuries and more replacements before the day is done, before the game comes. I will stick to my show from last week or Monday. I don't remember what show it was. That Fernando Tatis will not be added to the team as a replacement, no matter the number of injuries, you're not going to see it. But MLB is despondent beyond repair. It would have been perfect for Otani to be there. It gets a global audience. It makes it easier for MLB to get more money from its broadcast partners, to give you the narrative that the All-Star Game is the healthiest, most watched All-Star Game of all the leagues, which is a press release that will always come out. Don't you worry. MLB will always send the press release, hey, this All-Star Game is the number one All-Star Game of the four major sports. Of course it is, as it should be. It's alone during the summer, and it actually is the coolest game of all of them. So I was thinking about all the injuries. You've got Trout with his hammock bone, Otani, the blister. Rendon of the Angels is gone. But then we got to get to Clayton Kershaw. If you don't realize the Dodgers are behind the Diamondbacks in the National League West, which is not a position that anyone thought if they were going to be behind anyone, the thought was they would be behind the Padres. Hasn't exactly worked out that way, as we have detailed and will continue to detail the fall of the Padres, though they've won a couple in a row. The fall of the Mets, though they've won a couple in a row. The Dodgers, the thought was going into the season, it was their least strong team in a decade and they could have some issues. There was no chance that anyone was going to realize the amount of injuries the Dodgers pitching staff would have. It's staggering. Julio Urias hurt his hamstring. Noah Syndergaard's been out for a month with a blister. Here's a little note for you. Noah Syndergaard's blister is just fine. It's his pitching that's a problem. It's like Adam Wainwright going on the DL this weekend. He's that famous pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals who absolutely... Stayed a year too long, has $17.5 million one-year deal to hang in there. And finally, they put him on the IL with their calling shoulder inflammation. Every pitcher in July, if you give them an MRI, every last one of them has shoulder inflammation, shoulder soreness, tired arm, absolutely normal. 
It is also normal that players who are respected by their organizations, instead of DFAing them, designating them, instead of optioning them, which you can't option someone like Wainwright or Syndergaard, you say, hey, shoulder inflammation, blister. And then you just keep them down there. I don't see how Adam Wainwright will start another game for the Cardinals. As crappy as they've been, and they've been bad, they got to get get their young arms experience. If I'm the president of the Cardinals, I wouldn't have Adam Wainwright pitching one more game. I would have him come if he's healthy enough, let him come back, give a little applause. We can do an Adam Wainwright goodbye night. Give him whatever present he wants. Thank him. Bring back Molina for a first pitch. Wainwright to Molina. Longest standing battery until last year. Whatever. But you can't put him on the mound anymore. You're hurting the development of your team. It just doesn't make sense. Dustin May of the Dodgers out. He had Tommy John. Now he's getting a second surgery for his flexor tendon, which is not Tommy John, but it's just as bad. He's going to be out a year. So guess what? Clayton Kershaw, the man who can't stay healthy, has been the picture of health and the leader of the Dodgers pitching staff. When I told you when they signed Kershaw that that was a pillow thank you, that he's a middle to bottom of the rotation guy. Nope. Got that wrong. He's been a top of the rotation guy for a playoff contending team. He's had an amazing year so far. But now he's on the injured list. Shoulder, got a cortisone shot. Clayton Kershaw is someone who's been injured more than he's been healthy. Do you know that he hasn't pitched the Bellwethers 200 innings? He has not pitched 200 innings since 2015. That's eight years ago. It's not going to get better. Kershaw was asked about his injury, and he was obviously upset as he was in line to be in the All-Star game, maybe even start the All-Star game. And he said, the way the season was going, I'd hope that I could make it through a full season. I haven't done that in a while. It's always something that I want to do. So anytime that doesn't work out, that's definitely frustrating for me. Yikes. He must spend a lot of time frustrated. One of the better people you'll meet, one of the nicer guys, charitable guys, talent that is hard to imagine, a run of success that was hard to imagine, Hall of Fame for sure. But what is it about front offices that believe that the track record of injuries, that will not be what it is for us? I don't care that Carlos Rodon's always been injured. He had a healthy season or two. He's back. I don't care that Aaron Judge or Stanton or name the player that they get injured all the time. It's not going to happen with us. It does. I don't care that Kershaw hasn't pitched 200 since 15. We're going to pencil him in for 200. We do that actually before a season. We're penciling in which starters are going to pitch how many innings because you have to add up to 162 games times nine innings. So who's going to take these innings? Who's going to take the starters' innings? Do the Dodgers have a problem? Mm, yeah, they are not the team. They're not the favorite. They shouldn't be the favorite. They're not the best team in the National League. They have no chance to get by the Atlanta Braves if they can even make it that far. Is the injury to Clayton Kershaw the reason? No. They simply do not have the depth of talent they used to have. So I conclude this section of the show with two things for you to ponder. One, would you be able to beat me in a Big Mac challenge? 
A Big Mac challenge is something that we did in our front office when we would be on the road or traveling, be with Larry Beinfest and Mike Hill and Dan Jennings, whoever we were with. And a Big Mac challenge is the following. After any meal or at any moment in the day, you can call Big Mac challenge. And that means everyone has to go to McDonald's, you get a Big Mac, and whoever is last to finish the one Big Mac owes everybody else $100. And we would call the Big Mac challenge only after really big meals that we'd go to on the road. I never, ever won. And I got the ability, I got to do quarter pounders because I was so much smaller than the other guys and I was always full. And so I got to do quarter pounders and I still couldn't win and eat my quarter pounder faster than those guys could eat their Big Macs. Lost every time. So I want you to think about these two things. Could you win a Big Mac challenge? And then would you ever participate in a gluttonous food contest? The second thing is, do you think when you were running a team or a fantasy team or your ability to be a GM or criticize GMs or presidents, what would you do to not be seduced by numbers that have little to no likelihood of ever occurring again? How do you fight that feeling, Ario, that a player will go back to being what a player was and you can ignore what a player is? At what point is what a player is mean what a player will be? Think about those two things. As a matter of fact, if you want, you can think about them during the break. We come back, we're going to review a great movie directed by Ray Romano, and then we're going to talk about Mets fans because Stephen Cohn did something that I assume is going to make you happy, but it's exactly a huge problem within MLB's owners and the commissioner's office. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Hope you had a good break. It is Wednesday, July 5th. Missed you all yesterday. Thank you for engaging with the show. Coming to me at Twitter, David P. Sampson, with questions, comments, thoughts, downloading, subscribing, sharing, everything you do. We're live every day, 8 a.m. on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. I got a chance to engage with a lot of content this weekend. I was absolutely um, antisocial because I was sick. And by the way, I can't seem to get better. I think I may need to go to urgent care and get some sort of z pack, but that's neither here nor there. So one of the movies I watched, this was either yesterday or the day before, was a new movie directed by Ray Romano, written by Ray Romano and a writing partner called Somewhere in Queens. The movie is about a family of construction workers. They've started, the, the, the father started his own company. The son is Ray Romano. There's a grandson who's a basketball player. His nickname is Sticks. I love movies that are authentic. I can't relate. I grew up in New York. I did not grow up in Queens. So I can't tell you what it's like to grow up in Queens. But I can certainly tell you what it's like to grow up with a family. 
and what it's like to have family dinners and what it's like to have pressures on children or pressures on parents or how parents can only be as happy as their least happy child or how parents would literally, not literally, that's an incorrect use of the word. Strike that out, Coco. For 2069. How parents would try to move mountains if it meant doing anything to help their child. How they would trade places with their child to make sure that their child was not sick or that their child was not going through anxiety or that their child was not happy. They would do anything. Ray Romano is one of those parents and watching him go through trying to figure out what's in the best interest of his child so his child doesn't become like him. The self-awareness required to want what's better than what you had. And it used to be that that was money. It's not really what it is anymore. As a matter of fact, there's arguments to be made that every generation has had more money than the generation before, but now we're up to a generation that likely will have less money than the generation before. I never really understood who's who they're talking about, which families, which people. But the concept is, are we leaving the world better for our children than how we found it? It's supposed to be like a campsite. That's generally the rule of thumb. You're supposed to leave a campsite cleaner than how you found it. That's the courteous way of doing it. It's supposed to be the same with the world. And this is not me crying out for global warming or climate change or all the things that we know are true that some say or not, whatever. We can't even agree on whether Joey Chestnut's an athlete. I find it hard to imagine we're going to agree on whether or not, and I don't mean you and I, I mean everybody, on whether or not we need to do something to protect our planet or what the future may be. Ah, it'll be someone else's problem. I'll be croaked already. But the feeling the desire of parents to do it is captured by Ray Romano in a way that is subtle. It is not slow. And he the, the note that they strike in this movie is wonderful, emotional, heartbreaking. Not heartbreaking in terms of endearment type of way. Heartbreaking in a wow. This is what it means to want to be not like your father or this is what it means to want to be like your father, or this is what it means to try to be a father. This is what it means to try to navigate a family full of insecurities, full of fighting, full of people trying to figure it out, and then coming to the epiphanies, the credits roll, that none of us can figure it out. And that's crippling to me. So as I watched the movie and I got emotional at the end, not that they were going for it. It wasn't that they just brought a death out of nowhere, right? Like, it's that uh, I just, that's how I operate, as you know. And I'm watching the credits roll and I'm thinking, all right, what do I do? What do I do? How do I do it? And here I am with three kids. None of them is younger than 20. And I'm telling you, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. It's emotional. Transition to the Mets who know how to do a lot when they're rich. It must be nice to run a baseball team with an owner who really wants to be the Dodgers, who really doesn't care. The Dodgers, as you recall from my time in baseball, were the team that I hated the most because they used money in order to bully other teams. 
Then there was a segment we did where it was rumored that the Mets were going to use money to bully other teams in their best Dodger imitation. And then they did. A little trade yesterday, or the day before, can't remember when it was, sometime this weekend maybe. When there's a day off in the middle of the week, it totally screws me up. I thought it was Monday, but for looking at my face because I only shave on Sundays. It's the only way I can know the day of the week. It's according to my stubble growth. It's Wednesday today. The Mets made a trade and flex money in a way that owners should be upset about. Because if you've got one team like the Dodgers, you can deal with it as angry as you are. But you get a second team doing it. And all of a sudden, the advantage those two teams have over the other teams really gets wider. MLB is going to have to watch this, but they approved it. But here it goes. They were trying to get a bullpen arm named Trevor Gott. That was the goal. In order to do it, what Seattle said is, we're happy to give you this guy, but if we do, we want you to have that guy. That guy, forget what his name is, Chris Flaxon, doesn't matter. You can say John Cotos. That guy is a guy that was bad enough that the Mariners had designated for assignment. He was off the roster. If no one had traded for him or claimed him off waivers, which no one was going to do because he's not worth the $8 million he's getting paid and the $4 million he has left on his contract because we're halfway done, he'll be designated and then outrighted, and then you can sign him for the minimum. The Mets, in a move of brilliance that should make Billy Epler genuflected toward said, hey, let me call my friends in Seattle and say, I'll take your designated reliever who sucks. And here's the best part. I'll even pay. I'll take him before you have to release him. No problem. Trade him to us. On the other hand, I'm also going to want your other guy who's good. And then we're going to get him, Flaxen. We're not going to put him on the roster because he sucks. We're going to give him his $4 million and we'll be the one to designate him. So this pitcher gets designated by the Mariners, traded to the Mets, and immediately designated by the Mets. Now, if any team is stupid enough to take his contract, the Mets are off the hook. But no team will be willing to do that, so the Mets are going to be on the hook. What an amazing concept. We are willing to pay the reliever we like as though that reliever is earning more than he is. God forbid we get a player to outperform his contract. We want the reliever Chris Scott. We're going to pay him, Trevor Gott. We're going to pay him as though he's Chris Flexen. We'll take the $4 million that's owed to Flexen and we'll pretend we're paying it to Gott because this guy's good enough to be a $4 million reliever, which is really an $8 million reliever because there's only half a season left. And the commissioner looks in the mirror as he's brushing his teeth and says, how are owners this delusional and stupid? It's not nice to call people stupid, David. What would be wrong with having a pitcher who's better than his contract? That's the object of the game. Win games, pay players the least amount of money required to win the most games possible. People don't say that. David, you're such a bad president. You're a bad guy for even thinking that. Oh, you're right. No other owners are thinking that. No other presidents think about that. And the businesses where you work, the bosses, they never think about that. The people who run the businesses where you work, they never think about how to make more money and pay you less. 
or increase the profit margin on the products they're selling. Why would they think of that? What are they, idiots? If the Mets keep doing this, and there's no reason they shouldn't, he's over the Steve Cohn tax anyway. He's paying a tax. What's not being mentioned is the $4 million he's paying to Flaxen. It's more than $4 million because he's over the tax threshold. That kind of FU money is dangerous in a league where there are teams competing against each other. That level of disregard toward fiscal responsibility is dangerous. It's going to be addressed, I promise you. Just you wait. I knew Domingo Herman, under no circumstances, was going to throw another perfect game. I thought the Orioles would beat the Yankees, but they didn't. This was Monday night. Herman did not pitch another perfect game, did not pitch another no-hitter, but the Yankees won the game. So we're 102 and 101. The Cubs continue their series against the Brewers. They've got Justin Steele pitching, and we're taking the Cubs over the Brewers, even though the Cubs didn't win last night. The Brewers have fallen behind the Reds in that division. If you haven't watched Steele pitch, you may be watching him Tuesday night in the All-Star game, but you may want to watch him. Cubs over the Brewers. All right, I want to end the show with something that the NBA is doing, and I am I'm delirious. The NBA announced the possibility of a kernel of a nugget of a rule change that would make my day. Here it is. Is there anything worse? Ah, that's hyperbole. Let's start that a different way, Coca. When you're watching a basketball game and a player flops, it makes me insane. When I'm watching a soccer game and a player pretends in order to let the clock run that he's been need in the nuts and in fact he wasn't touched or that he falls down as though he's been elbowed in the head and it turns out there was no contact at all ted lasso made fun of that fact where one time jamie said to sam just stay down and when you get up you got to pretend to limp this is great the fans are going to love it we'll let some time run off the clock that level of unsport that's not gamesmanship that's a lack of sportsmanship and the NBA's finally had enough, which is great. Because when players flop in the NBA, it's a very fast game with very big people going very, very, very quickly. Referees cannot, even with three of them, see everything. Can you imagine a time when the NBA had two referees? There would no way to cover the game today with two referees. You just can't do it. Too much action. Too much speed. Too much size. So the NBA is deciding that they are going to change the rule. And if you get called for flopping you will get a technical foul. The team, the other team, will get a free throw and the ball. That won't count as two technical fouls and you're ejected. It won't count towards your tally to be suspended. It's not a flagrant foul. It's simply a technical foul that the referees can call. In the referee's discretion, if there is what they think a purposeful flop. A flop is an attempt to fool referees into calling undeserved fouls or fool fans into thinking referees missed a foul call by exaggerating the effect of contact with the player. That's how the NBA defines flopping, and that's a great definition of it. You've been to a game. They do not want, we did this in MLB too, you do not want things that get fans upset with umpires. 
You don't do things in an NBA arena that show time and again and again that a referee missed a call. And so then they can start the F-U-R, which is F-U referees or you suck. Dun, 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 dun. Pat fan sucks. There is a select group of people listening to this show who understood what I just did. And I don't think Coke is one of them. Coke, do you have any idea what I was just doing with Pot Van Sucks at all? You can look that up. My guess is there's video of it. But one of the great pleasures of being at Madison Square Garden is that. I'll give you a hint, Coca, because he just yelled in my ear. No, I don't, nor does anyone else. That's not true. According to our numbers, 18.7% of you absolutely know what I say when I go, dun, 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 Pat Fed sucks. I don't know. Well, why are we even talking about that? What is the segment that we are currently doing? Verstappen won. No, the NBA. Oh, we're not even going to get to Verstappen. That's not even fun anymore. The guy wins every race. They're going to have to deal with that. They're going to have to deal with that, Coca. You can't have a sport where the same team, that'd be like a sport where in baseball they win 162 games. Not that much fun. And then sweep to the World Series and win the World Series every time. Where's the intrigue? Where's the TV show? Oh, let's focus on the bottom of the table. That's fun. There's a there's a fight for eighth place and ninth place. Get the drive to survive cameras. Let's build the intrigue of what's going on behind the pack. No. You want to keep the intrigue, you got to keep the possibility of somebody winning other than Verstappen. Flopping. Flopping? Oh, flopping. It's going to be great. There's some floppers. So now the referees, and they approve this with the referees union, right? They have to talk to the referees about this. Because the referees now have to do an even worse job, but they gave the coaches an additional challenge because in theory, if the referees call a flop and then the video people say, wait a minute, that guy got totally neat in the nose. Oh, I thought it was a flop. Oh, let's go to the challenge. Oh, that wasn't a flop, foul. This is not addressing the biggest issue that the NBA has, with his, which is players trying to either fool referees or players getting referees to look bad in front of fans. That said, I like it a lot because the flop has no place in sports. Well, I'm going to go eat a Big Mac or go live on Levitard's YouTube channel in about 15 minutes. Thank you for your time. And guess what? We'll be back tomorrow. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.